Cheryl Shaw, it's so lovely to have you in the studio. Thank you, Sarah. It's great to be You're here. You're looking gorgeous in your animal print. Oh, you love your animal print. I do. I got so excited when I saw it. I said, it looks great. And the badge today, mm-hmm. is it Dental Health Week in the veterinary world? It is. Well, it's Dental Month, actually, but this is the final week, so I thought we'd mention about... Um, your pet's teeth. No doubt that is going to be our topic because it's such a big one, isn't it? It is. It's huge. Now, Cheryl, we're going to talk about dental health because it's been Dental Health Month and yes. it's the, the final week. Um, we'll do that in just a couple of minutes. But today I put up on Facebook a picture of my dog Gizmo because he's my companion companion at home. And I said, look, with so many of us working alone, working from home, pop up your bestie, your little companion, and just the pictures that have come through. And I have to mention Susie. She's put up this priceless picture. I can see it's, you know, it's the desk. She's got her her couple of work phones there. She's got the computer. And right smack bang in the middle is Scotty, her cat, lying on his side, looking at her as if to say, I really want a treat. That is the best photograph, isn't it? Isn't it brilliant? It makes you really smile, which is one of the important things about COVID with your pets because pets obviously bring us a lot of um, a lot of love and also they are great for our own health. Yeah, right. What happens when you pat a cat or a dog? It actually um, decreases your blood pressure and also settles down your ticker. So and it's really, really important to pat your cat or your dog. That's proven, isn't it? Yeah, the statistics been... wow. on health, um, the health benefits of having a pet are really um, well documented. So it's a great idea letting your, your cat or your dog, uh, like this one, hang out with you while you're doing your work. That's... You'll feel a lot better because a lot of people are struggling being alone. Yeah, most certainly. Well, this mm. photo has given us a smile. We'll have Dr. David Tabret in within the next five minutes to answer your calls and your questions. Cheryl, before we do that though, we're talking about teeth in our pets. It is Dental Health Month. It's the final week and we can overlook them, but they're just so incredibly important to keep healthy. Absolutely. Now, Sarah, what often happens with us, we have our dental checks booked in, but we forget about our pets. So the awareness of this month for dental is really important. So I'd like to ask everybody to have a look in their pet's mouth. Now, with your dog, if you can just pull up the the lip and you can have a look and just see what's going on with the teeth, because we often overlook it. We feed our pets and we don't look at what's going on. Some people do clean their dog's teeth, but often the plaque can really build up. Now, when you lift up the gum and have oh, the lip and have a look at the gums, you need to see what's going on there. The gums need to be firm and they need to be pink. So a nice, you know, sort of texture, not puffy and, um, you know, touchy. They need to be really nice and healthy. One of the things that you'll often see with a, a dog that has unhealthy teeth, that there'll be a, um, a really brown, yellowy um colouring around the tooth. It actually looks a little bit like um, dried up orange peel. Now that's really bad plaque and when plaque gets on the teeth it actually goes around and goes into the gum and it packs down and makes the the gum or the gingiva shrink back and that allows pockets of bacteria to get in there and what actually happens with that, the bone starts to get eaten away and the tooth become loose. So that's a very painful situation for dogs. So if you can imagine that, you know, if you um, don't have that addressed it can actually lead to bigger problems for the dog 
So that blood going back into the bloodstream can affect the dog and it can have problems with its heart, its liver and its kidneys. And so we just want to make sure that we're um, maximising the dog's health so that if we do notice things aren't going right, it's time to get off to the vet, have them check it and maybe have a, a clean and a scale and check for any teeth that may be loose or that need extractions. And something that's been mentioned before in the past is people will call and I can understand they go, look, I don't, you know, I don't think it's hurting too badly because they keep eating and then of course uh, the vets always say look they eat because when they stop eating they die so they could actually be in so much pain Pain. but they are still going to eat so you may not necessarily be seeing uh, the the actual pain that they are in because of the teeth. That's right and Sarah some of the things too that the dog may be chewing if you notice that there's blood on, on its bickies or on a toy even, sometimes you might notice there's a bit of blood. It's time to get that dog checked because that will be a sign that the gums are really unhealthy. But there are things you can do to help um, to take that um, calculus off at home or that plaque before it becomes hard um, calculus or tartar. So using a toothbrush, it's really, really simple. If you're brushing your dog's teeth, it's going to help that plaque just to lift before it starts to go hard or calcify. And there's lots and lots of different toothbrushes available for people to use and it's simple to do, but just make sure that you don't use a human toothpaste. Okay. Human toothpaste contains xylitol, which is toxic to dogs. It's the artificial sweetener in toothpaste. Right. Um, It also contains um, SLSs, which are are the detergents in our toothpaste. Again, this isn't good for dogs. And we just want to make sure that we're we're giving the dog every opportunity to have things that are healthy. So a dog toothpaste is the must. So they come in lots of flavours, chicken, beef, vanilla. There's lots of things. But also cleaning the dog's teeth will help to prevent haliotosis or bad breath. So we want to make sure that bacteria is under control. There's nothing worse than picking up a dog and it's got stinky breath. Yeah. Yep. Our teeth are really different than dogs' teeth because quite often, like in my breeds, they've got gaps between their teeth, so there's no um, no need to floss. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's one of those things that they, the plaque doesn't build up, so there's no problem. And also the surface of the tooth is very different in a dog. So they don't get caries like we get. They just get that really bad build-up of plaque along the gum line. How often should we be brushing, Cheryl? Is it like every day? Oh, some people do. Um, I have clients who just get me to brush their teeth when their dogs come in, but I don't feel that's enough. You need to be brushing those teeth, you know, every second day at least. Okay. You just don't want that soft plaque to go hard because that's going to cause the problem with the dog. And the other thing with the teeth as well, which I learned from Gizmo, he's had really good teeth his whole life and then all of a sudden he just didn't. Like it, it, it changed quite quickly. Mm. Um, and I think that can be a thing as well where it builds up quite quite rapidly. Yeah, sometimes as dogs age, they change their diet and often they don't want to chew the hard bickies. And those hard kibbles are really important because they wipe or scrape some of that calculus off. Sure. Now, as they get older and they want to eat something soft, that mush hangs around in their mouth and that causes a lot of problems. Well, Cheryl, thank you as always. Always educational. <laughs> Thanks, Always Sarah. appreciate it. Hello, it's Pet Chat. And look, we're like a magician. Cheryl has disappeared and David Tabret has appeared. Welcome. I, I wonder what you did with her. Where did she go? <laughs> She's under the table. No. Oh, look out. <laughs> I know. So uh, we've got good. you in, which is just fabulous. And you are ready and raring to take some questions. Oh, yes, yes. People, please call. Well, our Facebook topic today was basically just um, share a picture of your companion because so many of us are not seeing 
people and working mm-hmm. from home. So they're so important. And we've just had so many pictures come through. So I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of questions today. Is it? Oh, I was going to say, there were lots of cats to start with, but now there's more dogs coming through, yeah. I can see. Oh, and there's, oh, a, there's a... A parrot. Is that a parrot? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Could that's be a, a video. I'll have to play that later. Yes. So it's just... Oh, someone's just put up a picture of Wilson. You know, the ball from Tom Hanks, Castaway. We're, we're feeling isolated oh, on our island. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Some people are so funny. Now, Dr. David Tabret, we've had an email sent in... Uh, from Susan in Lambton. Mm-hmm. Now, she's got uh, a little dog. She said it's a Shih Tzu. It's only 12 months old, but it seems very scared of males. She said every time she has uh, a friend come visit that might be male, she seems to respond in a negative way, sort of shies away from them, cowers. Mm. Is that – she's asking how, how she can rectify that and get her more comfortable. Well, it is a thing. There's a couple of – couple of aspects there one is that this uh, dog is about 12 months of age so it's probably still getting used to different people in the environment we don't really know the extent of its socialization generally mm-hmm. um, and so the kind of normal things that we would talk about would be how do you socialize your dog get them out walking on a lead you know they're meeting different people so variety is the thing here we've got to expose them to more and more situations And then if we come back to the gender question, there are some dogs that uh, probably do react differently, just as people do, to, you know, different people that we meet. And so in this scenario um, with Susan, her little dog, reacting adversely, again, it depends on the extent of that and the actual context. You know, is it when the friend is sitting close or is it just when they arrive? Because that could tell us how much we need to intervene. But basically, if it's a scenario where uh, the dog is completely, you know, takes off, doesn't want to be in the room, then we need to get the friend involved in doing some basic work with treats, food treats. Okay. And getting down at the dog's level because often height is a kind of a position that the dog is fearful of. And a lot of men can be taller than females in general. Right. And... Also, um, tone of voice. Okay. So we need to change the tone of voice a little bit. Speak higher? Yeah, and a little bit sing-songy. Okay. You know, wow. that kind of helps, just just kind of like it does with babies, really. Yes. And then we get down at the dog's level. That's the other thing. Get down at the dog's level. Um, now, we don't want to look the dog directly in the eye. Because that can be seen as a bit of a threat, mm-hmm. fight. Yep. And it'll probably see it as a challenge, and so it's more scared. But if we look off to the side and just let the dog approach us, um, and as I said, then when it does that, then we give it the food treat. And so gradually the dog realises, oh, hang on, this person is not, you know, a threat. not okay. not something to be scared of. Um, ultimately, then you probably get to the point where that, uh, the trick that really seems to work is that if there's a male in the house all the time and this is happening is, that uh, we get the male to feed the dog. So okay, in, so it's building that trust bond. Right, and in any household, if we're having this sort of trouble, if there's someone who's not, doesn't matter whether it's male or female, but if there's someone who's not, you know, um, interacting with the dog or the dog's not interacting with them, get them to feed the dog okay. every night and nobody else. 
Okay. And I'll tell you what, in about a week. <laughs> You'll be besties. They're best, yeah, absolutely. They're best buddies. Now, David, on that, a similar one, I've got uh, some friends that have a little, I think she's a little silky. Um, she's a lovely little dog, but when you go to their home, Every now and then you won't even be aware of where she is. But if I get too close, like I've gone to mm. hug my friend before and she's come at me, you know, at the at the feet. And same with her dad as well. If you get too close to him, the owner, yep. she will, she'll growl and she'll – and you go, oh, my gosh. So, you well, know, is this a big problem? Uh, not to her. <laughs> she's doing a great job. She, so she's guarding, she's she's, guarding her loved she's ones. Basically, this is part of the role of in the pack that she finds that's what I'm there to do. Right. Um, and it comes back to what we were saying before. It's like how do you get the dog to like you? But at, at some point, they're not necessarily – if you're just a random visitor, they're not going to completely be – you know, okay with you just coming into their territory. So if she's doing that with all visitors, can you do you have to desensitize her to every single visitor or yes. can you do some basic training that will stop that pattern of behavior? Yeah, I think it's a good idea to do this with every single visitor. So even if it's someone, say, you know, extended family, grandparent, whatever, who comes regularly, and there's a few basic things again what we're going to do is go to the door. A lot of dogs do this when someone comes to the door. They're very kind of aggressive, assertive, bark, 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 bark. Yeah. Um, you know, go to the door, ask them to sit. When they obey you, you give them a food treat, put a lead on them, and then give them another food treat, and then probably unlock the door and take two steps back and let the person come in. Okay. So now the dog is saying, okay, I've done my job, I've alerted you, but I need to be quiet. And because they're on the lead, they're actually, they find that they have this, um, it's kind of like a, literally a physical extension, an attachment. I've, I've found that in consult rooms with dogs too. When they're on a lead in the consult room, they're going to react exactly as you described. You know, if I go close yeah, to right. the owner, yes, um, they might react. Oh, okay. And I just ask clients, I say, look, just take them off the lead. The door's shut. They're not going to go anywhere. That's interesting. And then what happens is now that they're off the lead, I give them a minute, they walk around a little bit and they go, oh, okay. And then if I move, they're fine. So it's like that caged animal idea when they're on the lead. Well, I think it's like the lead becomes now I am attached to the owner. So what happens to the owner happens to me kind of. Right. Okay. Gee, it's interesting, isn't it? Our dogs and what they do, Mm. our animals. Thought we'd better do our dog of the week now. David, our dog is Pixie today. Pixie is a two-year-old mini Aussie Shepherd. I didn't even know that was a breed. She's well, a- they could have just said she's beautiful. She's very pretty, isn't very she? Very pretty. She's very pretty. Go check her out at 2NURFM.com.au. Uh, click on Dog of the Week. So she's quite young. She's on the tiny side of eight kilos. Apparently she's a very sweet girl. Uh, she does love to go around the house collecting socks and toys. Toys, I'm sure, will be fine if they're her toys and socks if they're hers. She's crate trained. She's toilet trained. She does need a home with women adults only. That's interesting because we had a question come in before about a dog that seems to be scared mm. of males in particular. Apparently she doesn't do well with men and children. She's quite scared of both. And you sort of said before, David, it's lots of things. It's tone of voice. It could be height. I guess with kids, um, their behavior is a little bit erratic. 
to yeah, an that's animal. Right. A, bit, a bit unpredictable. Mm, they don't mm. like that. So Pixie doesn't like that. She does do really well, though, with medium and large dogs. Not so much into cats, and I believe that uh, she's at Dog Rescue Newcastle because she has been in a home mm-hmm. with cats before or, or males, and that has caused some issues. She's so very selective. She is selective. I guess, you know, it comes down to these uh, stunning looks. She gets a little bit pretentious maybe. I don't know. No comment. <laughs> Look, she's absolutely gorgeous. So there will be a home where that will suit her perfectly. If you are in that home and you're interested, head to 2NURFM.com.au and click on Dog of the Week. Okay, now it is time to go to the phones. Let's go to Joe. I believe Joe is in Cardiff. You've got a six-year-old Rottweiler and uh, it's oh, it's jumped off the ute and yelped. Is that correct? Hello, yes, uh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, he jumped off and then he, on his front, like front, frontwards, and he hit, uh, he yelped a bit and then he had a limp. And I noticed later on the limp swelled up uh, around the ankle, the wrist part of the front foot. Mm. And it's been swollen for about three weeks now, but then when I walk outside, he wants to jump around and play. Yeah. And then he limps again. So I was yeah. just wondering, would it wouldn't be broken, but. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it might be broken. Um, yeah, this is definitely something that needs to be checked out and pr- almost definitely an X-ray. So what the th- interesting part that you mentioned, Joe, is like he's still keen to play. And this is one of the yeah. things about dogs is, um, you know, his brain's okay. So his yeah. leg might be sore. Um and he might be okay when he's resting and he sees you come out and he feels pretty good. He jumps up and then goes, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Um, I think you need to get that checked out because I would be worried. So what happens is in the wrist itself, there's actually like a couple of rows of bones. So there's quite a few small bones and it's okay. it's quite easy to get a compression fracture of uh, one of those bones and so the whole joint is not displaced but every time he puts weight on it it becomes painful because this bone is moving so um, the other thing that can happen is you can actually get ligament injuries and they be they're actually a little more well i'm not going to say they're more serious but they, yeah, cre- yeah, they you know yeah. they create uh they create as much problem as fractures and it You're is right, yeah, um... it's that sort of um description that you gave where he jumped off the ute and yelped is classic we we see that all the time and i mean he's over 65 kilos he's a big boy and you know it's swelled up and i've put bandages around it and um but yeah. the swelling's not disappearing so no well so I, just... I think you need to get him to the vet and get him checked out with an x-ray he probably certainly needs some pain medication and then um as i said the x-ray will be helpful to decide what the next step is and Hopefully it's nothing, but yeah. we've got to get him checked out. Okay. Well, good luck with it, Joe, because obviously he's your mate and you, you want to get him looked after and he can get back to playing with you as soon as possible. Let's go to Abby now in Elibana. Now, you've got a Cavalier poodle and having some pretty vivid dreams. Yes. She often goes into like a deep sleep and she snores a lot. Um, and when she's sleeping, she like moves her legs and like wiggles around and you can sort of see like all my, like her eyes sort of start fluttering. Um, I didn't know whether you should wake dogs up when that's happening. Um, so this is happening in what we call REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep. And this is when 
um, parts of the nervous system are triggering muscles. Um, there's, it's a fascinating uh, area of how this works because obviously the consciousness is switched off, but the consciousness is actually just a small part of our brain. And there's this large subconscious part that keeps everything running and also lays down memories. So in the process of all of this rebuilding of our, our brain and everything overnight, we often get these nerve signals shooting off everywhere. So you'll, you'll get, um, you know, their feet paddling and sometimes, and basically the, the context there is that uh, this is how people sleepwalk, okay, because they're in this stage of sleep. They're not conscious, but they're actually able to move around. Um, and it could be fairly dangerous. I'd just say make sure the environment is safe. I don't think you have to wake them up because um, it's better for the sleep cycle to keep going. I just can't remember the other stages. You know, at one stage they go into a shorter period of deep sleep and that's where there's actually no movement. Um, and then you, most of your sleep will often be in uh, this REM stage. So um, my advice is not to wake them up, but just make sure they're safe. Like I always worry when I see in, say, the dogs sleeping on a deck and there's nothing around them and they could fall off. Or So can yeah. dogs sleepwalk as well? Well, I, I mean, potentially they could, but actually I think they awake a lot quicker than right. what we do. Okay. But they could, you know, if they're rolling around and their legs are splaying here and there, they could potentially yeah. hurt themselves in yeah, that yeah. way. Yeah, the other thing to be aware of um, is that uh, when we see dogs that have a history of epilepsy or seizures, they do tend to occur more at night. Now, that's not just, um, you know, with, with a seizure, they'll wake up afterwards and they often lose control of their bowel or bladder and it's also can be much more violent. Um, but they can occur at night as well. So the, the dreaming type state that you're talking about, Abby, is something, it's normal, it's needed, um, and all we, what we need to do is just make sure that they're not going to hurt themselves. Yeah, okay. All right, that's great. Thank you so much. Thanks no for the call, Abby. We appreciate it. How much do we know about dogs and dreaming, David? Because we know ourselves we can have very vivid dreams. They can vary. Like, do dogs dream about a, a steak? Can they smell the steaks in their oh. dreams? <laughs> How much do we know about what they actually see? It's hard because we can't ask them. How was you? How was I you? I might sleep? take that on notice. <laughs> that needs a bit of research. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a little bit complex. But the interesting part is, I think that, um, and I'm I'm just going to speak off the cuff here. Is that I think that a lot of the stuff we do with human dreaming is often we reconstruct it afterwards. Because yes. we need to apply some, you know how dreams often we go, oh, that was weird. There was like a horse flying through the room or something. Yeah. Re yeah ir bizarre. Irrational. Yeah. But it was also, we recognized it as a horse. Yes. Right? So there is this kind of post hoc uh, revision or reconstruction. So I think that our consciousness tries to make sense of what we're left with. Yeah. Yes. Now, that's getting pretty deep, and I don't, I'm not sure exactly how much dogs go that way. Yeah, because, you know, when you hear their, them barking in their sleep, you know. You well, that's part of this REM sleep yeah. that we were just talking about. Oh, it's so interesting, isn't it, the sleep? I had a, a dream the other day that Sean wasn't very kind, and I was cranky with him when I woke up. 
You know, they're very powerful. And he's like, oh, what have I done? All the husbands out there are going, yep. I know. Yep. They're going, gosh, Happen. Yep. you ladies are difficult at times. And I've had that where my wife said, you were awful to me in my dream. Yeah. I can't believe you'd do that. And I said, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I know. I didn't I've, I've do just it. gone to bed. I've woken up and I'm in the doghouse. <laughs> They're just so real, though. Look, we That's are it. out of time. It's hard to believe, I know. Will you hold over the blood pressure one for us, David? Absolutely. Okay, beautiful. That is Pet Chat for today. Of course, it will be back next week and taking many more of your calls. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.